Hi. Welcome to another episode of Paul on Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Pault, and today I've got Brian Patterson. He's the chairman of the Emerge Alliance. They're a group of uh, organizations working on uh, better, more efficient, more intelligent power systems, uh, both at the small scale and large scale. So hi, Brian. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Glad to be here. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here, too, because uh, I understand that uh, you all, um, the Emerge Alliance is part of an uh, effort right now talking about D.C. power distribution, right? Yes, as a you know, as many know, we're a nonprofit and we're an open industry association uh, who's really trying to focus on uh, the adoption and use of safe DC power predominantly in in power distribution. But of course, we uh, we view DC power as a complement to the current AC power systems that are generally used. Right now, so I mean, we're talking about. With DC power, it's obviously a microgrid solution. I got a couple of buildings or an industrial facility or someplace remote or even someplace local, but I want to get some of the advantages that I can get from a DC power final mile. Is that the case? Um, it, it is in, in large part. In fact, specifically what eMERGE does is it focuses on uh, what you might call the fringe of the power network or the power that's actually used or, or created um, beyond the, the common point of connection with a utility. Uh, but some people might uh, not know that um, at the other end of the spectrum, utilities are using more and more DC power for long-haul transmission as well, something called HVDC or high-voltage DC in the hundreds of thousands of volts. <clears throat> and they're doing that predominantly because a lot of the new sources of energy, uh, in, including uh, additional hydro, uh, solar farms, uh, wind farms, and so on, uh, need to be moved uh, great distances but um, contrary to what most people, <clears throat> excuse me, were taught in uh, in school, uh, DC is actually better for long haul transmission. That comes as a shock to most people, uh, and I well, remind um, them if that. I may, if I may, Brian, sure. I mean, I recognize that the primary issue is the free is the. Uh, uh, frequency and you couldn't rectify DC back in the day of Edison and Tesla, and that's why AC won out because you could push it to the high frequencies required to drive it long distances. But once right. you get to that frequency level, isn't it a push between AC and DC? No, actually not. Um, in, fa in fact, the higher voltage and the higher current you get to, the more advantage there is to go to DC. So, for ah. example, and 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 the reason for that is there's no electromagnetic fields, and therefore there's no. Um, uh, repulsion of the electrons, so you more uh, fully saturate the core of the wire, and so on and so forth. So if, right, you, if you look at the right. look at the tables on uh, on current carrying capacity and so on, you can move quite a bit more power in the same uh, size wires, uh, for example, and you don't have to worry about phase canceling and, and interference between the phases. So it makes it particularly easy to bury. Uh, either under rivers or water and, and, uh, or on the land and, and have the cabling uh, put in close proximity because there's no field effect to worry about. So it does make right. uh, running the cabling cheaper. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, if you can, that, that's another interesting aspect because obviously people talk about all kinds of advantages, but just a cheaper install is a very worthwhile and strong argument alone. Sure. And again, we're, that's in the high voltage area and, and people for a long time have wished that their um, high voltage power cables were underground or not visible. And one of the problems with that is with the AC power, generally speaking, that you have to maintain much greater distances and worry more about the electromagnetic field. So it makes it a, a lot more expensive to 
to bury things or to put them under um, uh, like rivers and right-of-ways. But if you look at uh, like in uh, uh, China, the, the great uh, gorgeous uh, new hydro dam and all that, all of the transmission feeder lines coming out of that are all DC now, and they run down the, the rivers uh, uh, throughout that area of China. It made it very easy for them without building towers and everything just to lay cable at the bottom of the river. Very, very nice. Well, and now let, let's step back a little bit, or I should mm-hmm. take the side, Brian. And one of the things about smart grid is that there's no frame of reference in common between top and the bottom. So when you know you start talking about high voltage and all, DC high voltage distribution is something also bandied about at the board level and rack level, but they're only talking about a couple hundred, 300 volts. I think you're right. talking about a little higher voltage than that. Oh, yeah. In the high end, of course, uh, you're talking about um, hundreds of thousands of volts. But at the same time, um, according to the experts, the uh, the losses can be uh, more than what we typically uh, talk about if you're using AC uh, for long haul. Uh, then uh, then uh, we're trying to uh, save at the at the low voltages. So, mm-hmm. but in, in any case, the the advantage at the low voltages changes from just being efficiency, which is what it's generally viewed at the high voltage to being now more flexibility and the ability to articulate the power in digital terms, uh, mm-hmm. whereas AC is more of a uh, non-digital or uh, synchronous system. DC can be digitally uh, manipulated through semiconductors and um, is non-synchronous. So it has some Got significant it. advantages other than just the efficiency. Got it, Brian. But then now, okay, so... Um that means different things, obviously, for different people, but let's go back to our case we were talking about, the DC, now, DC distribution within that microgrid, right? Right. You, is, is the eMERGE Alliance focusing on primarily the grid-level DC, or are you focusing primarily at the facility and building-level DC? We're almost entirely focused on the building, or I'll call it the enterprise campus level, and down down to the smaller increments. But one one thing we'd like to correct is, is this uh, definition of microgrids, in a sense, because um, on the on the utility side, microgrid the term microgrid often is associated with community level or substation and down level of distribution which incorporates some, um, uh, I'll call it distributed and, um, and supplementary sources of energy uh, into a sense, still a centrally generated power system. Uh, in the case when we talk about microgrids, we talk about something that goes anywhere from the campus level that might tie a bunch of buildings together all the way down to a single room or even a single desktop might be considered a microgrid. Um, so the definition is a very broad one. When you say microgrid, it's almost like saying network. Well, I can have a personal area network, and I can have a uh, community area network, you know. Um, so the term microgrid needs to be understood as a little bit broader than the way it's applied to specific um, applications. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Brian, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's more. I think at that point the paradigm jump should be a management philosophy aspect. It's a microgrid today if it has independent control. I think that would be a good rule of thumb we could probably apply that will apply in most cases. That's right. 
and most people would, um, and not always, but by official definition of organizations like IEEE and others, would define it as a grid that can be isolated from other grids and still operate. In other words, some people use the term islandable or isolated from the master grid or what have you. Just like when you technically your your laptop computer is like a network, it has manages its own power. And when it's plugged into a power source, it manages the power differently than when it's unplugged from the manage, uh, from the power source. Uh, it might dim the screen a little bit. It might run the hard drive a little bit uh, less frequently and, and change the management uh, policy of power within that laptop. So when we look at a building or a room and all the layers that might be defined as uh, microgrid layers in a building, uh, we're talking about more about the emphasis on how you manage the power than how you either create it or use it even. So it is a bit of a shift in thinking uh, that the microgrid's real main purpose is more about management of power and the ability to couple in you know, many, many, many sources and many, many, many loads and manage them intelligently. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because the smart grid is really more about the management of power than the power itself anyway. Right. But now having right. having said that now, why don't you tell me a little bit more about this then um, DC initiative that you are involved in? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we started looking at um, buildings and we chose to sort of work from the inside out of a building, meaning that we looked at one room and what uses power in one room and how can we improve its use. And we started looking at uh, one of the big power users in, a, in an individual room, say in a commercial building, is lighting. So it was natural to look at lighting and say, what's happening there? How can we improve the um, uh, use of uh, energy and management? And we uh, realized that uh, both electronic ballasts in the fluorescent domain as well as LED uh, lights really wanted DC power. They're more digitally or digital electronic, solid-state electronic driven. And so it was natural to come to the conclusion that maybe we don't need the AC power quite at that level. What we really need is DC power. We can articulate it uh, with semiconductors more simply, uh, and uh, we don't have to worry if a power source is added, like a battery or a local uh, harvesting device to harvest local energy or what have you. Uh, we can couple it in directly there without having to synchronize it to the AC system. Got so it, that's where we started. It, well, you know, and that's really interesting because, well, the, the, that whole aspect of synchronization is, is becoming more critical because of, as you're pointing out, all of the devices involved. So anything that simplifies it. So I, I would imagine there'd be even more of a groundswell for DC distribution with that as a clarion call. What kind of response are you getting? Well, it, we're getting quite good response. I think, you know, where we, from where we started with uh, room level, what we call the occupied space of a building, um, we, we also joined up with another group that was working on D.C., and those are the people that run data centers. And, of course, they have a, a little bit different problem, but they, they're running enormous amounts of uh, power in a very concentrated way. And we found that they were converting uh, back and forth to A.C. and D.C. Uh, many times, even within a single room. And uh, each of these conversions, of course, not only do they take up some uh, efficiency by, by, in terms of loss as, through the conversion, but they also make the system more complex and essentially and fundamentally make it more expensive. 
And uh, so we we kind of said, well, why if we're running digital computers with that, that need DC power, why are we flip flopping back and forth AC DC through UPSs and all the rest? Why don't we just feed it DC and and be done with it? And so. Um, uh, we quickly found that the telephone industry, the telephony people, have been using DC for for over 50 years. As many people know, central office switching and so on that's been done by the telephone companies is all done in DC, uh, but at lower voltages. They haven't been uh, using the higher voltages that we would like to to make things more efficient. So. Um, in the, in the, the data center world, one of the contributions that eMERGE has made recently is a standard which raises the voltage, but in, a DC, in DC terms, uh, to a standard of 380 volt di- distribution, or as some people would call it, 190 volts plus and minus, uh, mm-hmm. in the data center with no conversions back and forth uh, to AC and DC. Well, IBM's a big, big, big advocate for that. Yes, they are, and in fact, they they've been using DC for a long time in some in many of their central computer uh, setups uh, because it's a, it was a natural thing, and they they um, uh, of course were higher power users early in the game. It's only really in this last decade that uh, the uh, the reaggregation of computing through uh, use of data centers and, cl- and the so-called cloud concept has really brought attention back to the amount of energy that's used in computers and how that might be optimized. Um, And when you, you know, when you collect it together, it makes it a lot easier in the early stages, at least, to consider a one-time rectification of AC to DC and not having to change it back and forth. If you're in a building and you only have one computer, it might not, (laughs) it might not pay to, uh, uh, to get one computer uh, with a DC feed, but when you have uh, thousands of them aggregated, it, it, it makes the argument uh, much more, uh, you know, uh, uh, vibrant. Exactly, Brian. And in fact, um, we're going to we're going to be chatting a lot about all of the issues uh, at APEC uh, next year in March. You're going to be sitting on my panel on the smart grid at the wrap session Tuesday night. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's going to be a great session because, um, you know, I think when you talk, we're focused on inside the, the power meter, if you will, but the relationship between what happens inside the meter and what happens outside the meter is crucial to the success of both sides of the meter. So how power is created and managed uh, by the utilities in the public domain and by municipalities and so on uh, has tremendous impact on what happens inside a building and vice versa. We think, although a lot of people think that we're challenging utilities by trying to get off-grid and all these things, we're actually trying to help the situation by making um, individual buildings uh, more uh, flexible players in the scheme of power management in terms of demand response and disaster recovery and all the, the things that a, um, a more centralized uh, distribution of power brings with it. Exactly, exactly, Brian. I wish I could talk all day on this because obviously it's a topic that's not going anywhere and it will continue to gain in complexity as we go along, but I do have this show to consider, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to give my audience a little bit of a final thought and then we're going to have to close this out. 
Uh, well, the last uh, – we didn't talk about residential, but I did want to mention that the eMERGE Alliance is, is launching a residential D.C. power initiative uh, we'll be announcing. And um, we, we certainly invite people who want to take what we've started to learn in the commercial domain and, and port a lot of it over to the residential domain because uh, – your, your home and my home are, are equally uh, needy of uh, better power solutions and good management. And with things like the expanded use of USB and USB power distribution and wireless charging and electric vehicle charging, power, power is going to have another big and substantial influence on how things are done to make them more convenient, efficient uh, through the, in, in, in the use of personal electronics and home automation. So we look forward to that. So people who are interested, um, please look us up on the web and uh, see what we're doing, and maybe join the join the uh, the, the group trying to head in this head in this area. Could you repeat the uh, website for the audience just to make sure they got it? Yes, the website is uh, www.emergealliance all one word dot org o r g. It's that simple, and you'll see uh, what we're doing there. You can even uh, membership application if you're interested or just uh, harvest some of our online information. Excellent. Well, hey, thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on because this whole smart grid thing is a huge thing with lots of moving parts, and the more we have insight from the various solutions that are available, the better a smart grid we're going to be, be able to eventually create. Absolutely, and uh, we're, we're happy to be a part of it and look forward to the, uh, the continuing dialogue and effort to make things better. Oh, I'm, I'm going to bring you back, and we'll, get a, we'll take a snapshot in a, in a few more months of where we are with all of this, okay? Hey, we'd be happy to do that. Excellent. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day. <laughs>